And we talk about the blessing of fatherhood. We have a father in heaven who loves us unconditionally. We have a father in heaven who even when we mess up royally, he doesn't throw us away. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't cut us off from the family. I thank God for that. And God is a good father. He's a wonderful father. That's who he is. Amen. So we thank God for the blessing of fatherhood. Look at Psalms 127. And we'll read that entire psalm and then we'll pick back up in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And we're going to walk through uh, today the foundational truths of fatherhood. Because I believe one of the things that God is doing and you, when you search the scripture, you see it all throughout the scripture. God will utilize things that we know and are familiar with to crack open our understanding about the things that we, we don't know and we're unfamiliar with. Are you listening to me today? When you look throughout scripture, even you go through the entire Old Testament, there's a lot of what we call typology. God will use symbols and types to get us to begin to understand and grasp the concept of what he really wants and desires for us to know. Amen. And so when we look at this 127th number of Psalms and we begin to talk about the foundational truths of fatherhood, I want you to understand that that God, God loves dads. He loves fathers because he's a father. And he utilizes, amen, even the concept of fatherhood to get us to understand about his love for us. Amen. So Psalms 127, verse number one, if you read along with me, it says a Psalm of Solomon it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. It's in vain. Amen. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries uh, will do no good. Verse number two, let's read together. It says what? It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Three through five. Let's read it right quick. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Verse number four says what? Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. The text says how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them, full of children. Now, let me, let me park right here for a second because you got to understand something. During this culture and time in which this psalm was written, uh, you know, the multiplicity of children uh, was, was a norm in that day. And a man was considered blessed when he had children or he had a, a house full of children. Now, today, if you have a house full of children, society today calls you curse. How are you going to raise all them children? Y'all got nine children. Oh, ooh, Lord, what they doing all the time? Nine children. <laughs> well, children, the text says, are a gift of God. Because even uh, when, when, you, when you look in, in, in the Old Testament passages of Scripture, one of the things that children would do, especially when they grew up and become young men, they would protect father. And when dad would go into a city to conduct business, he would take those boys along with them in case something jumped off. Tyrone, you know, you got to have somebody there with you. Y'all know what it means, something to jump off? 
Now, again, I don't use that term because I'm not, I'm not usually in places where stuff jump off. I know some of y'all frequent places where it jumps off all the time. But, 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 but the concept is, is that children were a blessing, and even as they grew up, they were able to work in the field because this was an agrarian uh, economy where they planted stuff and they raised cattle and, 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 and cows and sheep and stuff, and you need somebody to work the field. How many, how many of y'all remember David? David, before he was appointed and anointed to be the next king of Israel, was a sheep herder. He was a keeper of the sheep and he was, he was out there, amen, doing that for his father. Can I get a witness? And so children were a blessing. The text says how joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers, what? At the city gates because he got his children there with him, amen, making sure that dad is protected. And so, so we, we, we see that. That's critically important that children are a gift from God. Now go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse number one. The blessing of fatherhood, the blessing of fatherhood. Ephesians six, verse number one. And this is critically important for us to grasp. As I said uh, to you on last week, when we talk about the blessing of fatherhood, there are concepts and principles that are that are that are uh, applicable to all generations and to all personalities and in, 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 they're applicable to male and female. There are principles that, that align with fatherhood that even a mother can begin to put into place as she helps, if she's a single parent, to be able to rear her children. Or a young man who's going off to college can begin to put these principles in place to make sure that he does, he's not a one and done. I'm not talking about going to the NBA. I'm talking about a one and done. You go one year and you're out because you flunked out. All right, that happens all the time because people didn't apply the principles, amen, that they were needed in order to be successful, amen, in the school, in the school business. Can I put it that way? So Ephesians, the sixth chapter says what? Children, what? Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Amen. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. Verse 3 says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. Text says this, fathers, watch this. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes where? From the Lord. Now, it's very interesting to me, and I, I, I put a pen here every time I read this passage Because fathers, what we must understand is that it is our responsibility, come on, it is our responsibility, not our wives, because again, not our wives, but again, if fathers don't do it, you know what, somebody needs to be doing it. But father, it is our responsibility according to this text. First of all, don't provoke your children to anger. And we'll talk about that just a little bit, how that takes place. But rather bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Talking about the blessing of fatherhood. Now, I shared with you on last week, you know, uh, fatherhood is critically important. There, there are all kinds of statistics that, that will tell you that when you, uh, research shows that when a child grows up in a, in, a, in a home without a father, or the father's absent, or maybe the father's in the home, but he's not really engaged. He's not, he's not 
committed to discipline and instructing uh, uh, that comes from the Lord, then research shows that children who are in a fatherless home or, or in a home that has a father, but the father is absent when it comes to the spiritual side and, and absent when it comes to really connecting with their children, those children are two times more likely to drop out of high school. Two times more likely to drop out of high school. They're more likely to go to prison when there's no father in their life. Hear me carefully. One in five prison inmates had a father who was in prison. Now think about that for a second. One in five prison inmates had a father who was in prison. There, there's to a certain degree that old saying, like father, like fun, like fun, like father, like son, amen, can be a, uh, 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 some truth in there because if, if, if a father models something that is, that is godly, then the children tend to model something that is godly. If the father models something that is ungodly, the children tend to model things that are what? Ungodly. So without fathers in the home, they're four times as likely to grow up uh, in poverty. When there's no father in the home, uh, they're more likely, children are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. When there's no father in the home, when there's no father who's connected, children are more likely to have behavioral problems. They're two times more likely to suffer from obesity. And they're seven times more likely to get pregnant as a teenager. Seven times more likely to get pregnant as a teenager when there's no dad there. Because many times what happens is there's no dad there, or there's, if there's no, no dad who's actively involved in speaking into that child's life and speaking into that person's heart, then they start looking for that father figure in other men. I need y'all to hear me very carefully. Those young ladies start looking for that father figure in, in other men. And, and as a result, they go from man to man, from place to place, amen, giving themselves and, and, and seven times more likely to end up being pregnant out of wedlock. Are y'all track with me today? So fatherhood is critically important, guys. I shared with you on last week uh, about the fact that uh, when we look at the, uh, uh, a home being built, many times when the Bible speaks of the home uh, being built, building the house, it's talking about more than just the physical uh, house being built. Uh, in Psalms 127, uh, verse 1 again says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wake it, but in vain. In other words, if the Lord is not building your home, if you don't have God as a part of uh, your family, if you don't have God as a part of your marriage, you have a shaky foundation. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And a three-stranded cord as it relates to a marital relationship involves husband, wife, and God. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you and the wife had a conversation about what God is doing in the life of your family? Yeah, I thought. That's exactly what I thought. When's the last time y'all talked about what you all are believing God's vision is for your family? When's the last time you as husband and wife held hands and prayed together outside of when there was a tragedy or something? When's the last time you, you sat down and with your children, dads, fathers, and began to talk to them about where they're headed in life? 
I'm here to say that probably we as dads and fathers don't do that nearly enough. The blessing of fatherhood. God had a design in mind as he talks about, amen, what it means to be a true father, a good father. And one of the things that we as, as, as men have to recognize that we carry an awesome responsibility that has been entrusted to us by God the Father. And I'm here to tell you, one of the things that's happening, one of the things that, that messes a family up is when dad is out of place. Amen? And see, when dad is out of place, when father's out of place, it shifts everybody else out of place. Because one of the things that I said earlier about the example that's being set, it's difficult sometimes for our families, come on, dads, uh, to be lined up and submitted to us when we're not lined up and submitted to God our Father. When they don't see that godly submission, when they don't see us, I mean, pouring in and seeking after God and pursuing him with all our heart and minds and soul, it, it tends to get everybody out of line. Amen? So watch this. Let, let, let's, let's go down through and talk about some of these foundational truths because I think it's critically important. If you don't have a faulty foundation, something's going to happen whenever the pressure of life comes. How many of y'all know life has a multiplicity of pressures that are come in against you? All right. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as on the unjust, right? It's critically important that we have the proper foundation. I like what 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what are you building your house on, dads, fathers, men? What are you building your house on? Ladies, Women, wives, mothers, what are you building your house on? What type of foundation do you have? I like uh, what Psalms 27 and 5 said. It says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Psalms 27 and 5 says this. He shall set me up on a rock. I like that. He shall set me up on a rock. I'm, in other words, he's going to set me on a solid foundation. So, so the foundation that we build upon has to be solid. And, and, and I, I've discovered in my life, guys, that the only true foundation is Jesus Christ. I'm going to build on him. As a matter of fact, that's what uh, uh, the scripture text tells us to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because if you build on anything else, if you build on popularity... Popularity fades, guys. You may have a number one song this year, but next year ain't nobody singing your song. You may have a number one show on television for five years running, but at some point in time, your show is going to fade off the scene and you, you're going to be looking for another job. Listen, do not build your life and do not build your expectations for living on popularity. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, as sure as I'm living, as sure as you're born, I've seen it where people will be for you today. Come on. And one year from now, Leroy, they, won't, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Am I right about it? Some of y'all had people who you called your friends five years ago, but now there is no interaction between you two. As a matter of fact, when you see them call or try to call, you pretend like you don't see them calling and don't 
pretend like you didn't see them trying to get in touch with you because there's a schism there in your friendship. And now, amen, there's no connectivity there with you guys. Listen, we got to build on the right foundation. So don't build on popularity. Amen. So let's go and talk about these foundational truths of fatherhood, because if God is trying to teach us something through this process, I think we would do well to try to understand it and get to know it. Amen. Build the house on the right foundation. And God, whenever God's talking about building a house, he's a lot of times he's talking about building the family unit. Amen. The Lord will protect us. He will keep us. Right. I trust in God and not in man. So, so the first, you know, when we talk about the foundation of truth of father, we said fatherhood can make a man's life rich, filled with joy and laughter and give a man a lasting sense of gratification and achievement. Whenever a man has children, amen, we always talk about they are a blessing, amen, and children are a gift from God. But the reality is, guys, is that being a father and cultivating a family is not easy. Can I, fathers, can I, can I get just one hand of a, a, a man that won't be prideful enough to say that sometimes it's not easy being father and being the leader of the home? Come on, come on, brothers. Can I, can I get your hand raised? I mean, it's not easy sometimes. We run into challenges, and when we run into those challenges, guess what? Our families are looking to us to solve the problem. Am I right about it? And there are times in the life of a man where he, he may not know which way to turn. That's why it's important for us to know who we are and, and who we belong to and to know that our foundation is not built on our intellect and our physical strength, but it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So but so so fatherhood, being a father and cultivating uh, a, a family is, isn't always easy. We need men who are willing to embrace the long road of building and cultivating a family. That's important. I'm going to say something here, and I want y'all to hear me very carefully. One of the things, when you go back in history, even from times when, in history, this country, when a lot of our ancestors were enslaved, brought from Africa, sold by Africans, don't miss that point, right? Sold by Africans into slavery, into this country. One of the things that, 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 that the institution of slavery would do was is to break up the family. Because if you separate the family unit, there's less likely uh, uh, for, that, for that, 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 that slave to, to have that foundation that they need to, to even think about trying to get free. All right? And so, so they would separate the father from, 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 from the children and from the mother, and, and that would do great damage in, 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 in the family unit not being cohesive to where uh, if, if they wanted to, to do something uh, in line with getting out of slavery, they would, they would be less likely to do so because they don't have that father there with that family. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, one, of, one of the tragic things, and we got we to gotta be very careful about this, one of the tragic things that's happening particularly even in our culture today, is that, is that we got to realize that the family unit, as God designed it, was designed for a purpose. It was designed that way for a reason. Now, again, I am not saying that a mother, a single mother, can't raise their children and their children be successful and have a successful family. That happens all day long, right? But what I'm telling you is that's not God's best design. 
So don't go away as a single parent thinking, well, you know, what what is he trying to say? I can't raise my children. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that why not try to do it God's way first? Oh, not first, but only do it God's way. Mothers, I I love you, but there's there's, there's certain things that a, a, a son especially needs from a dad. And even when it comes to raising girls, uh, mothers, I love you, but there are certain things that, that even a daughter needs from a father. She needs that affirming hand of dad in her life so that she can feel good about who she is and not have to think that, 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 that her life is, is missing something and she goes to try to fulfill it with some joker who don't mean her any good. Y'all tracking with me today? The blessing of fatherhood. So, so God, God's design, uh, you know, and, and we look at our first point on here is, is we understand that the family was God's idea in the beginning. Go to Genesis, the second chapter. Genesis chapter 2, and we go to verse number 24. The family was God's idea. Well, if God, who created man, come on, if God, who created man, designed for man to operate as a family unit, husband and wife, don't you think that God knows more about how this thing will work than we do, the ones who were created by him? Let me me give you a perfect illustration. There are many times, guys, when all of us do this, we will buy something, whether it's a phone, a car, or television, uh, whatever it may be, we'll buy something and we, in our own little prideful self, will not take the time to go and read the owner's manual. The owner's manual came along with the product and the owner's manual was written by the one who manufactured the thing that you're utilizing. The owner's manual was put together by the folks who made the thing that you're driving. But I would dare say, if, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't lose his best. Probably 99 out of 100 of us sitting up in this place, including myself, have never read our owner's manual from page 1 to page 95. And then what we'll do is, even with these phones and these iPads that we have, uh, it, you know, if the owner's manual doesn't come in a physical form now, they start saving money and doing it electronically. But how many of y'all have ever sat down and figured out all the uses of that device that you have in your hand? First thing we do, we call out our child, baby, how do you do this? Huh? Now, I know you're intelligent, and I know if you were to read the owner's manual, you would know how to take a picture in, and text it to somebody. But no, I ain't got time to read the owner's manual. Just show me how to do it. It's your shortcut self. That's what the problem we have in the church today. People want a shortcut. Everybody say read the owner's manual. And, and, and why am I saying that? Because we do that 
with family. We do that with relationships. We do that with church. We do that with spiritual things. We don't want to read the owner's manual. Some of y'all I'm looking at right now, I'm not looking at my individual, but some of y'all I'm looking at right now know for a fact that you don't spend any time in word. But you expect to understand the things of God. Oh, no, 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 no. You just want somebody to give you a prophetic word. I don't want to read the Bible. Pastor, just tell me five ways I can get rid of this man. Well, well, well you, 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 you're not going to find that in the owner's manual because that's why you need to read the owner's manual. There was a song back in the 80s. Y'all remember about 50 ways to leave your lover? Anybody? I need the hands of all of y'all who remember 50 ways to leave your lover. Dogs looking like, what are you talking about, Brother Pastor? Slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Hop on the bus, Gus. Don't need to discuss much. Drop off the key, Lee, and set yourself free. Anybody remember that? 50 ways to leave your love. That ain't in the book. That ain't in the book. Not in owner's, it's not in the owner's manual. God honors marriage. And I know things happen. I know uh, in life, because of sin, divorce occurs, but that's not God's best plan. So I need, I need as a pastor, I need the members of EBC to start reading the owner's manual. And quit looking for a shortcut. Quit going and asking folks stuff that God wants to reveal to you when you spend time with him. But no, you don't want to spend time with God. You want, God, just give me the answer. No, the Lord says, my, my truths are like hidden treasure. My truths are in the book. If you seek me out, you'll find me. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Too many believers in this church are not thirsty enough. For righteousness. Oh, you thirsty, but you thirsty for the wrong thing. Yeah, you thirsty. You thirsty for a man. You thirsty for a woman. But God says, I need you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Are y'all with me? The family was God's idea. Look at Genesis chapter number two. Watch this, watch this. Look at what the text says here. It says, this explains... Why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united, what? Into one. From the King James Version of Scripture says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And the two shall become, what? One flesh. So, so the idea of the family, the idea of, 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 of fatherhood came from God because later on he told him to be fruitful and to do what? To multiply. And being fruitful and multiply means that now Adam becomes a father as well as a husband. Are y'all with me today? So the family was part of his purpose for mankind 
amen, uh, and for how we should relate to one another in this world. Let me say it again. The family was part of his purpose for mankind and for how we should relate to one another in this world. One, one of the things I've been sharing with you guys over and over again is, is the importance of, of authentic community in the church. Because if you are part of a, a local church assembly and the only thing you do is come here on Sunday morning and, and halfway connect on Sunday, but there's no interaction, there's no familiarity, there's no family atmosphere with members of your church away from Sunday, then there's a problem. The problem is, is that God is trying to use you in connectivity with other believers to get his message out to a world that needs to know him. And you have giftings, we're discovering on Wednesday night, that we need, amen, to help build the body. But because you are not connected, your gift is, man, it's not being nurtured and developed because you're not growing in your faith and you're not connected with us for us to even affirm your gift. And so we're missing something because you don't understand that family is not only just your earthly family, but it's your church family also. And family cannot grow. Family cannot thrive if it's not built on the right foundation. So the family was God's idea. Can I get a witness? And God calls children a gift. We just discovered that in the 127 number song. Look at the second point of, our, of our, the blessing of father. So the family was God's idea, right? God created man in such a way that he has the ability to create life with his seed. Listen to me carefully. Man has the ability to create life with his seed. When his seed is connected with the woman's egg. Can I say it that way? And when that takes place, life is conceived. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but that's, that's an awesome, 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 man, it's an awesome, awesome miracle when life takes place. If you, and it's been a long time since we had children, but I remember when we had children, well, we had them, we were on the, you know, going through the process of, anyhow. In other words, when you sit down and you start reading about the biological nature of man and woman, how, how a, a woman's body, if you just start, just, start, just go, 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 just Google it. And how a woman's body changes and prepares itself to deliver life. It is amazing. It is a God-ordained process. Are you listening to me? You all in the medical field know this probably better than anybody else. It, 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 is, it is a miraculous process, and it can only have occurred with, with the divine creativity of a God who has all power and all knowledge and all, all everything in his hand. So he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. So the, the concept of fatherhood begins there because uh, man was always designed create, to create and to cultivate. Everybody say create. create. 
and cultivate. See, God even told him when he put him in the garden, he said, I'm going to put you in this garden. I want you to dress it and I want you to keep it. I want you to cultivate it so that this garden can produce fruit, can produce something. Amen. So man was designed to create and to cultivate. So 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 the the family was God's idea. Everybody say God's idea. Point number two, fatherhood is a God-given commission. Go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Fatherhood is a God-given commission. Amen? God has commissioned and entrusted fathers with the honored task of nurturing, guiding, and equipping their children for life. Guys, we have an awesome responsibility. Now, here's the problem. Let me tell you right now, here's the problem. And you guys may think that the pastor is picking on us men, but I'm not because I'm a man. I sound like Mike Gundy. I'm a man. (laughs) Some of y'all, Oklahoma State football coach back back in the day when somebody was coming after one of his players, one of the reporters was coming after one of his players and maybe dogging or whatever. He said, don't don't pick on him. Come after me. I'm a man. Everybody here, you're a man. But men have fallacies. Men, when not properly equipped with the spiritual weaponry that's, that's available for us in our toolbox, we, 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 can be, we can be something else. Hello? As I've said before, I mean, I know guys who, who drop seed that produces children but they ain't no father. They just a baby daddy. And God ain't interested in baby daddies. God wants fathers. Because fathers are integral to the building of the family. And even if you're in a scenario, I, t- I said this before, even if you're in a scenario where you and the mother are, are not together, you, you as a father, that does not, amen, abdicates you from your responsibility to, 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 to pour into your children. The problem that we have in the family is, is that too many men don't want to do it God's way. God has commissioned you, Father. Fathers. We've been commissioned. Go to Ephesians the sixth chapter. Come on, let's go back there right quick. We've been commissioned and entrusted. Hello. We've been commissioned and entrusted to, 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 to nurture, to guide, and to equip our children for life. I'm, I'm going to admit, guys, that, that as, as a dad, I look back, there's, there's, there's more things that I could have done and, and can be doing. More conversations with my children. Now, I, I think I am setting a good example for them. And Marrera, you, you, you can you kind of vouch for me? <laughs> I need you to vouch for me, okay? Because sometimes people think I'm up here just saying stuff just to be saying it. And they think that, you know, uh, I got the mic so I can say whatever I want to say. But I, I'm, I'm not going to get up here and lie to you, okay? I, I, I believe in being transparent. Uh, and and when, I, when I, there's something I'm not doing well, you know, hey, I'm going to say I'm not doing it so well. Uh, but 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 when it comes to our children, my children, and all of our fathers, when it comes to our children, we cannot 
miss this important point. It says we as fathers have been given the responsibility to nurture, to guide, and equip our children for life. Along with our spouse, come on, but we can't be absent from this process. It's important for the dad to sit down and have a conversation with the children. I know we have some strong shack bully type ladies in the church. Okay. I was just teasing. Don't get mad at me. See, the only folk that got mad was those strong. I love y'all. I love y'all. Pastor, love y'all. Pastor, love you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Jerry. Thank you. All right. Y'all got me off track. Go to to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at that right quick. Fatherhood is a God-given commission. We've been commissioned to do this stuff. The commission is taught directly and implied throughout the Bible. Let's look at some scripture right quick. Go go to Ephesians 6 again. One says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Uh, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, child, uh, when it comes to your parents, make sure you, you do this all the days of their life. You honor your father and your mother. Honoring your father and mother don't mean that you agree with everything mom and daddy say. Because there's some things that a lot of times you go along in life you have to help teach your parents about. If mama's wrong, mama's wrong. Well, you know, you can't say nothing to mama, you know. We got to respect her. I respect mama. That's my mama over there, Moselle. Hey, Moselle, how you doing? But if my mom was wrong, as a Christian, I have a responsibility to say, Mom, that's not right. Dad, you're wrong. Amen? That don't mean that I don't respect them. Because most, most of us, how many of y'all grew up in the area where you don't say nothing to grown folk? Uh, you, you see it, but don't say nothing. You, you, you saw Mr. Jones going down to uh, Sister Smith's house. He over there all the time. He ain't cutting up grass every week. Some of y'all get your mind back. Come on, get your mind back. Speaking truth in love is critically important. And if we're going to be family, if we're going to help nurture and develop and cultivate each other, one of the things that we got to get away from, and I told you this before, and Paul told us that explicitly. Paul says that we don't, we, we, we don't, as a church, we don't have any business trying to teach unsaved folk how to live. Our job is to try to get them saved. But we have every right, and it is our responsibility to judge the behavior of Christians. Are y'all with me? We have, the, we have the responsibility. Paul says, Paul says, you know, dealing with the world, that's not our responsibility. But in the church, we got to judge some stuff. We got to declare some stuff right and wrong. All right? 
Do y'all need me to go back and pull it back up? Y'all remember it, right? Okay. Jay, if you find it, put it back up right quick. Because I, I got some folks from Missouri that are in here. And Missouri is the show me state. You got the show me. That's somebody from Missouri in here. So they said, say it. Well, I'm going to show you. Uh, where are we? Um, holy Ghost. Help me, help me, help me. Hallelujah. Paul said, I'll quote it. Paul says that, that, that as, as, as and I'm paraphrasing, Paul says that, that we have a responsibility as born again believers to, to deal with stuff that's going on in the church. If a, if a, if a born again believer is, is practicing sin, I'm not talking about somebody who just falls in sin, but if they're practicing sin, uh, have a lifestyle of it, we have a responsibility to go to them and deal with them. Go, go, as a matter of fact, let me show you something. Go to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, right quick. Hurry on. This is a little sidebar, but I got to keep moving, okay? 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Because somebody needs to hear this. 1 Corinthians, chapter number five. And y'all know this story. We did this when we went through the book of 1 Corinthians, right? Verse number one. Look, 1 Corinthians 5, verse number one. Watch this. I can hardly believe, watch what Paul says. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. That was happening where? Where was it happening? In the church. All right, it's in the church. Uh, what did Paul say? Paul said, you're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And what, look, look at what Paul says. Watch what Paul says about the man who was sleeping with his stepmother. What does he say? You should do what? Remove this man from your fellowship. What's he have in mind? What he's saying is that if we know that there's open sin that's going on and we don't deal with it, sin is like leaven. It'll permeate throughout the whole church. And so Paul says the purpose of removing this man is so that this man will see the error of his ways. If you let's let's just pretend like you and I are running together and, and, and we go to place all the time. And, then, and when you're in my car, all of a sudden you pull your weed out and start smoking. I don't say nothing. And every time we go somewhere, you pull your weed out and just start smoking, and I just keep driving. So what are you going to think? Well, it's okay. I can just, I can smoke weed with pastor. Watch this. Watch this. Look at verse number three. Watch this. It says, uh, even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in spirit, and as though I were there, I've already passed judgment on this man. He judged the situation. He judged the wrongness of the man's actions. Now watch this. He, didn't, he, he wasn't saying this man going to hell, but what he said is that what this man is doing is wrong, and, and if he continues in this, it's a good chance this man will not even know what it means to be saved. Watch this. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, what did he say? You must call a meeting of the church. I'll be present with you in spirit. And so with the power of our Lord Jesus. Verse 5, watch this. He says, then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved 
on the day the Lord returns. He says, if you don't deal with this stuff, guys, people who are in the church, who are part of your family, who we're supposed to be cultivating authentic community with, they'll continue to keep on doing this stuff. And then, here, let me say this right quick. All of y'all who have this mindset that I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I live my life the way I want to live my life. What you going to do that then? Because what God will do, God will return you over to your reprobate mind. And when God turns you over to yourself, it's a sad commentary. That's why some of y'all having a hard time now because can't nobody tell you nothing. But if you're part of authentic community, guys, if you see me doing something open sin, I'm not talking about you going around trying to hide and find what somebody's doing. Stuff will come to you. And I believe God allows stuff to be exposed so that we can go to the person and say, hey, listen, man, I, I know it looks like you're caught up in something you shouldn't be involved in. Let's, 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 let, me, let me pray with you, man. How can I help you? How can we put up some boundaries to, to help you, man, live according to God's will? All right? So he says, it's, it, watch this. Here we go. Ephesians, 1 Corinthians 5 and 12. Here's what we want to get to. It isn't my responsibility to judge outside. Who's talking here? Who's he talking to? Church of Corinth. He said, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it's certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. That's what he says. So we're clear on that, right? All right, so let's get back to my text. Somebody from Missouri had to show you. All right? So what does this mean? What does that look like? That, that means that, that, that we go to them in a caring way. We don't go to them in a condemning way. We go to them with the concern that, hey, listen, if we don't deal with this issue, they're going to ruin their testimony. And that could be a sign. If you can sin freely and, and on a continual basis with no remorse and no regret, that's a good chance you're not even saved. You don't even know what saved me. You think saved me coming to church. You think being saved me, well, my name is on the church road. And if I die, I got a place to have my funeral. Salvation is much deeper than church attendance. And that's the problem that we have. Some people aren't, aren't really saved. They just know church. They, they've, just, they've been coming all along, but they really hadn't had a conversion experience. If you really have a conversion experience, you can't sin into perpetuity and with no remorse and be okay with yourself. Anybody can fall. Anybody can get caught up, right? I need to see the hand of anybody that's fallen and gotten caught up in whatever since you've been saved. I need to see the hands of anybody who's fallen into something uh, since you've been saved. Okay, your self-righteous self sitting there. I got to do it one more time. I need to see the hands of anybody who's, who's fallen and got caught up into something, whether it was gossiping, Harboring unforgiveness. See, that's more sin than sexual sin and drinking and lying and gambling. There's some internal stuff that we, we oftentimes get caught up in. We think that sin ain't as bad as sin is sin in God's outside. So all of us have, 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 have not done everything right. So this ain't about doing everything right. It's about what's your lifestyle. If you're born again, you can sin and no have, don't have no remorse. I think I'm going to challenge you to go back and, 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 and check and see if you really truly gave your heart to Jesus. Because you can't, you can't live for Jesus and live for the world at the same time. And be comfortable in it. 
Okay? Now, now watch this. I'll go with me right quick. Uh, so so it's, it's the father's responsibility, we, we discovered in Ephesians 6 chapter, to nurture our children. That's not happening enough in the church. Go to Deuteronomy the 6th chapter, with me, verse number 4. Come on, let's read. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. All right, y'all with me? It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Verse 5, it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you, what, today. Verse 7, let's read it. Repeat them again and again to your children. You cannot repeat something that you don't know yourself. Spiritual principles, spiritual truth. I'm not saying you're going to be a, 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 have a doctorate in, in biblical studies, but all of us can learn the principles of God's word. And here's, here, here's, here's the beauty of it. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us enlightenment. You may say, well, Brother Pastor, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't understand the Bible like, like I need to. Well, listen, depend on the Holy Spirit. See, and then get tools in place. And here's another thing. Come to Bible study. Come to a small group time where we sit down and we break open the word and we ask questions of the text. Where we sit down and we, and we, we challenge our thinking to make sure it lines up with God's thinking. The word of God has to be the predominant prevail thought in our life if we're going to please God wholeheartedly. But I can't teach you something that I don't know. Repeat them again and again to your children. So what have you been telling your children? Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Sound like he wants them to be engrossed in the things of God, teaching the children. Fathers, we have the primary responsibility for this. Quit abdicating your responsibility and and allowing the mother to do all this teaching. Verse 8 and 9, watch this. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Watch this. Read on. It says, write them on the doorposts of your heart, of your house, and on your gates. In other words, the word of God needs to be in a predominant place in your home. It needs to be in your mind, in your heart. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. All right? So, Fatherhood is a God-given commission. It's, we have a responsibility to, to teach and to nurture. And fathers, it's, it's our job. Let's not push that off on our, on, our, uh, on our spouses. When's the last time you held hand with your children and prayed with them, Dad? When's the last time you shared with them a spiritual nugget? Dad? It boils my goat, if that's such a term. When I see men who won't take their responsibility when it comes to fatherhood. And they want to beat your chest. When they graduate high school, when they graduate college, you want to show up. Or when they get ready to get drafted in the NBA or the NFL, now you want to show up like you've been there. Get yourself together. Everybody say, let me get myself together. 
point number three, number three, fatherhood takes intentionality. You got to be intentional. This can't be something that you do in a lackadaisical, uh, just kind of, uh, oh, by the way type moment. You got to be intentional. Just like you, dad, are intentional about teaching them how to play sports. I can't tell the number of dads who, you know, I remember when I was coaching, uh, you know, you know, Rec league, basketball, and football. Dads will dads will bring their child to practice, but won't bring them to Sunday school. Dads will bring their child to basketball and football practice, but won't make them come to Real for Christ middle school and high school ministry on Wednesday nights. Won't bring them to Sunday school. Hello, are we still here, dads? It is our responsibility. Fatherhood takes intentionality. Authentic manhood definition, uh, which we discovered from the life of Jesus, we said that, number one, a a real man who's operating in in God-ordained manhood and fatherhood, he will reject passivity. To reject passivity means that, uh, you know, like the first Adam in the garden was passive. I'm going to say it right now. We have too many passive men in the church. What does passive mean? That means a man who won't take the lead and be intentional in, in, in leading his family, but he steps back and says, why if you lead? And I'll just, I'll just I'll, if, you, if you agree, I agree. Every woman, whether she admits it or not, wants a man who will lead her. Hear me carefully. Every woman wants a man who will lead her. What will happen is when she has a man who is passive and does like Adam and steps back and watch Eve have an interaction with the devil and don't step up and say, God told me we ain't going to eat of this tree and Eve and I, Satan, are not going to eat of this fruit. But the Bible says he stood back. And then when Eve turned and gave to her husband, he ate also, knowing the command that God had given to him. That was passivity. The first Adam was passive, but the second Adam, who's called Jesus Christ, was not passive. He rejected passivity, amen. He went to the cross of Calvary to die on the cross for our sins. He gave up his life so that you and I can have a relationship with God. So we got to reject passivity. We have to uh, you know, we have to accept responsibility. What does that mean, Brother Pastor? Uh, to, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, unlike Adam, uh, Jesus accepted responsibility because he had a will to obey. Okay? Jesus accepted responsibility because he had a work to do. Jesus accepted responsibility uh, because he had, you know, he, he had a, 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 a assignment. Amen. He had a woman to love the church. The church was the bride of Christ. And so he knew in order for a man to be in the position that God wanted him to be, he had to accept his responsibility, his God ordained assignment to go to the cross of Calvary so that you and I can interface with a God who loves us unconditionally. So fatherhood takes intentionality. We got to reject passivity. We got to accept responsibility. We got to lead courageously, guys. Lead courage, lead your family courage, and come and be taught how to do that. You're not going to learn that uh, by watching BET 24-7. 
you need, you, we need to have some, some discussion about what real manhood looks like. Had an awesome discussion on yesterday. I want to I I challenge all men to get involved in men's ministry. Come and learn. We talk about, amen, what men need to know about. And we do it in a discussion type way. We look at the Holy Scriptures and we find out what a real man looks like. I said before, a woman may at first think she wants a passive man, but what she'll begin to do over a period of time is resent that passive man. You think you want somebody who you just tell them what to do and they just run and do it and don't, no questions asked. I, I'm not, see, it, this, you know, marriage should be a, a partnership, right? But what has happened in our culture is, is because men have been dogged out by the culture. Every, every comment, comment show you, you, you see, they talk about and they make fun of the man. I'm tired of that. I'm listen, I'm thankful for the men in this church. I'm thankful that we got men like Craig Pollock, Carl Jones, amen, KD Davis, others, amen, Charles Hardiman, men who will stand up and say, listen, I'm going to live for God. No, we're not perfect. That's why we keep learning. We keep growing. Amen. We're going to grow in faith. Amen. But we're going to be intentional about our fatherhood. Number four, wise fathers focus on the heart. See, heart deficient fathers can be toxic for kids. When a man doesn't know how to speak to the heart of his child, he'll, 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 he'll beat him down. Not physically, but beat him down mentally and spiritually. Amen. Wise fathers focus on the hearts of their kids. L- look at Proverbs 4 and 23 right quick and, and, and we got to get out here. And number five, wise fathers are dependent on grace. Wise fathers recognize, we recognize our own brokenness. That's why I can say, I know I'm not perfect. I know I haven't done everything right. But God is still working on me. And I'm going to let him work. Amen. I'm going to let him keep working. I'm not going to resist what God is trying to do in me. Amen. The one thing that trips a lot of men up is pride. Men become so prideful that they, they, they won't allow anybody to tell them anything. Oh, they may come and listen to you, but, but in their mind, they, they're thinking all along, I, I'm, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Everybody say, get into the owner's manual. This tells you how to do manhood. This tells you how to be the, a, a, a father, a man who can rear your children up the right way. This tells you how to be a husband who can love your wife like Christ loved the church. Yeah, yeah, I know sometimes you can be a little something. Yeah, I know sometimes you can be a little cantankerous. Come on. Yeah, we, we have some wives that, that, you know, sometimes, you know, when we look at them, we're like, oh, foot. <laughs> but they belong to us. They're our wives. All right? We love them. We didn't say that when we were trying to get them, did we? Come on. You remember back that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, were, you, were, you were throwing your best rap, your best line down. Put on your best cologne. All right? So, you know, our wives are not perfect, but hey, man, we, we're here to love them through their imperfections. Y'all hear me, guys? All right, I got to finish it. Watch, watch this. What did I tell you? Go Proverbs 4 and 23. Pop it up right quick. It says, watch, look at what it says. It says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. 
Guard your hearts. That's why it's critically important. Men, dads, fathers. Is that we focus on the heart, especially when it comes to our kids. Don't wound them. Don't 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 speak harsh to them. Speak loving words. Speak the truth in love. Understand me. I'm not saying don't 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 speak truth, but there's a way to speak truth. Your children shouldn't be scared of you. They should reverence and they should respect you, but they shouldn't be scared of you. I want my children to be able to come to me and tell me, hey, dad, hey, man, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this issue right here. What do you think about this decision I got to make? Hey, dad, I'm struggling with this, this issue, this sin issue. I, I need you to pray with me, dad. Can your child come to you and ask you those questions? Are they afraid to reveal themselves to you? See, I would much rather give them wisdom from the word and give them wisdom from life experiences myself than for them to learn it on the street. And they're not going to come to you, dad, if they're afraid of you. All you do is holler and fuss and cuss. Hello? And we got some dads in the church on deacon board singing in the choir, preaching from pulpits who holler, fuss, and cuss. Speak words of wisdom. You, you ought to, when, the, when your child becomes grown, they ought to see you as a, a wisdom resource. Somebody who they can come to and say, hey, listen, hey, I'm, I'm, this ain't working for me, dad. What's your suggestion? And always, here's something I've learned. I heard some of y'all say the very same thing. We've talked in G-Men ministry call and other, we, we talk about this. How, listen, give, give them options, but let them make the decision. Teach them how to make godly choices, but ultimately it's going to be up to them because you go and tell them, I'm not talking about stuff that's, that's, that's right or wrong. I mean, if there's, if there's something that's clearly wrong in the scripture, it's wrong. You tell them that's wrong. Don't do that. But I'm talking about there's some choices that that person has to make that are what we call, what, what do we say when it came to choices? There are what type of choices? There's moral and a what? No, 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 no. There are huh? priority decisions, which are right and right. In other words, it's not a wrong answer. In that. And there are moral decisions where it's right and wrong. Many times in dealing with your kids, there are, there are priority decisions they got to make. And so you give them wisdom, words of wisdom, and allow, lay it out for them and say, listen, here are the three choices. And, and so, you know, this is, this, based on my knowledge experience, this is something that I would take, man, that you got to decide. So now when they make that decision, they make, they make it based off of the wisdom you provided, and you didn't make it for them. Amen? All right, so wise fathers, amen, focus on the heart. Don't crush your child's heart. Lastly, wise fathers are dependent upon grace. Wise fathers recognize their daily need for grace as a person. They, they, they've realized that they can't do it alone. Guys, I can't do fatherhood alone. I can't do, uh, it's not a word, but I'll make it up, husbandhood. I can't do that by myself. I need God helping me. And so when we take these foundations of fatherhood and begin to apply them, read the owner's manual, we're going to become a blessing to our families, guys. Amen? And, 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 and your wife it's going to just, you know, she's going to be off the charts when you start doing this stuff on a regular basis. She's going to be glad to see you come, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be glad to see you coming. The blessing of fatherhood. God is our father, and we as men 
have the privilege of being fathers to our families here on earth. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise.